What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain this Memorial Day weekend, Christine Hassler and I are hosting a three-day experiential retreat here in Austin, Texas. We're going to be working with a really small group of individuals to help them level up where it concerns their relations with love, self-love, which sets the foundation for so many things, including happiness, your own success, the feeling that you deserve all of the success that you're going to get in life, romantic love, relation to community, and we're packing it full of all of the best practices that we've learned throughout the years. Ecstatic dance, breath work, meditation, small group workshops. It's going to be awesome. Please look into it, aubreymarcus.com slash love and check it out. I hope to see some of you there. Corey Allen is my friend, my spiritual brother, the host of the Astral Hustle podcast and the meditation course release into now. You've probably heard him on my show, so here he is again. Enjoy. What's up, Facebook family? We're going live today with the astral wizard himself, Corey Allen. What's up? Feels live. It does it? Yeah, it It's does. different. There's electricity in the air, yeah, right? Yeah, it really does. Yep. Um, I'm vibrating right Speaking now. of electricity in the air, did you have you seen that incredibly shocking video of that guy? He's like, it's a building security cam footage and he's in Japan somewhere and he's cruising down this little avenue and light, it's like a thunderstorm and lightning just strikes him. Gadoosh! This strikes him? Strikes him. Oh and, he like, and he like gets smashed down to the ground and then like 30 seconds later you see him like crawling and like, getting back up he like shrugs it off and he starts walking pretty fast because he's like the the sky is dangerous now you know he's clearly shown that association and about 10 yards ahead gadoosh <laughs> again lightning comes and strikes him god again. is like fuck yeah. you man <laughs> and then he still gets up he's just still like fuck man that is a bummer wow yeah has it does it guy twice have, does he have superpowers now I don't know. I want to like interview that guy. If I could interview that guy for the podcast, first of all, he's tough as shit. Yeah. Because he got up after two lightning strikes. It's tenacious. Yeah. Every, I mean, please, people, you know, feel free to Google this. You know, <laughs> man struck by lightning. I'm not sure if it was Japan, but it looked like it. So this is uh, a deep pull. Uh, have you seen that art movie from like the 90s called Tetsuo Iron Man? No. It's sick, but it's like basically this black and white, high contrast Japanese art film where this dude it's silent and it's like this dude is essentially um he just starts like metal starts growing out of his body like slowly like at first it's just this little tiny piece and it kind of evolves until he's like ah he's trying to like pull it out and it's just him struck it's sort of like franz Kafka's metamorphosis right but it's just him by himself and he's just turning metal is growing out of him it's really <laughs> fucked up and at the end of course he's like overwhelmed by it 
um, maybe that was that guy. Maybe, he was very maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. That's, you never saw that coming in the movie, did you? <laughs> lightning, someone was telling me, and I have no verification of this fact, that lightning is like the most dangerous natural phenomenon. Like I would it, think people are the most dangerous natural <laughs> phenomenon. For sure. For sure. Fucking Coca-Cola is yeah. the most dangerous natural phenomenon. Um, yeah, it was, it's just fucking wild to think that you're just cruising around one day and blammo. Yeah. I wonder how that would feel. Electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Dude, it would feel like, have you ever been shocked before? Yeah, like not that. I mean, obviously, not anything close to that bad. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little on the nose. How would that feel? Like, well, have you ever been struck by lightning before? Like that? <laughs> no, like I remember one time uh, I went to like unplug a power strip and I grabbed the little um, you know transformer thingy and right. my fingers went around both sides of it and I connected like one finger touched one side of the peg and the other finger touched the other side. I remember it like I. I started just shaking. My hands were shaking. You got stuck. Yeah, I got stuck by it. And I was like, my heart started racing. And then it like ugh, dropped out of my hand. I remember just being like, and it was so, such a, such a peculiar type of pain. Cause it's weird <laughs> to have something like hurt. Right. And then a new type of pain is always unsettling. Cause you have to like analyze it, like what's happening. And then one that sets your, your heart and your, you know, electrifies your muscles and everything is, it's a deep, that's a deep kind of pain and so um i think that times i don't know 10 million a lot (laughs) a lot there's that that's that's a type of fetish now and like bdsm they have like electro shocker little things sure like little (laughs) (laughs) yeah get you on a a, a bed metal bed frame and you know a car battery hooked up to that sucker and you get (laughs) I remember we had we had like electric horse fence around uh, at an old ranch we used to have, and the everybody was always super concerned that they would be out and not paying attention, and you'd piss on the horse fence, right? Because then obviously if you pissed on the electric fence, the rumors from <laughs> like, all the old cowboys, you know, that was like the joke. It's like don't piss on the fence. It's running you know? Stimpy taught, taught me that, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Elect straight electrified dick. Speaking of which, electrified dick. Uh, as far as research for my book, uh-huh. I was explaining this, sure. this to yeah, you earlier. Searching quotes. <laughs> I got this thing called a juve light, thanks to uh, a recommendation from Ben Greenfield. And this juve light is this near infrared light system, super strong. It's like really warm and powerful red light, and it penetrates into the tissue and releases more nitric oxide. So I sit on my massage table, like gurney style with my legs up and just let it bake my balls for like five or six minutes. I did my first session last night. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice mental image. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know whether I needed to move my shaft around yeah. to, to hit the balls or uh-huh. if I wanted to hit the shaft. So I'll have to call Ben Greenfield and see. Yeah, hey, That's man, it. I'm just, you got FaceTime him. All right, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm plugged listen, in. Listen, this is my shaft yeah. and ball setup right now. Do I need to adjust the setup or are we going to be all right? Yeah, and then just. Uh, you know, because with my adamantium cock, I'm worried that it's blocking yeah. the access to my well, balls. Speaking of adamantium, you know, be careful about the lightning, man. Yeah, that, we've just gone true. over this. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so you're now 
turning your testicles into baked potatoes. <laughs> That's fun. And so mm -hmm. your research is for what desired result? Well, it's supposed to be like a, just a treatment to enhance nitric oxide activity. So that's gonna get you a more aroused, harder, bigger, et cetera, you know, slightly, slightly so. Um, because nitric oxide is obviously in, you know, it's linked to blood flow in general. Mm -hmm. So, and then you can do that in multiple different ways. You can eat, you know, like foods like arugula or beets or watermelon or Swiss chard or things of that nature and that'll enhance nitric oxide nutritionally. Or you can do a system like this juvelite, but I haven't really, I wanted to try it out first before I really dove into the research, but it's pretty interesting, man. I mean, yeah. it's like, I could tell a difference. Like I could mm. notice, I could notice something when when Whitney came home from dinner mm -hmm. I was ready I was baked I was baked <laughs> you were like I was baked and ready <laughs> you're like I just ate watermelons arugula and whatever else you named for dinner yeah I had my my balls in this little oven for the last hour you're welcome yeah that's uh it's an interesting point in your life that you've come to Aubrey <laughs> Uh, you've changed yeah. over the years yeah well there's only, certain, there's only a certain amount of psychedelics you can do Corey you know at a certain point you know it's back to the basics I remember whenever we met you were like hey man I got these three supplements this is this is sweet man try these these are cool and I was like yeah 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 little did I know that years later well, I'd be baking my testicles you'd be baking testicles I know I got all kinds of tricks that I'm trying out for my book. The other one is uh, this uh, this thing that puts blue light into your inner ears because you have photoreceptors in your inner ears. So it helps wake you up in the morning. So it's mm. like headphones, but they're like lights in your ears because obviously that starts the circadian rhythm and helps you know set up for proper melatonin production at night. So And that works pretty well too. So some of this shit actually That's works. Cool. I can't get on board with like the like the the glasses that you wear at night though yeah. to like block out like i have the apps on my phone and i have the app or the the darkness thing on my phone mm -hmm. and then i have it on my computer that flux to block out the blue light spectrum but i can't do the glasses thing it's so 80s like no matter yeah <laughs> and not in a good yeah. way yeah the blue blockers <laughs> yeah you just can't like i just can't do it yeah I yeah it. i mean but I, I can, I, but I, I can bake you. my balls. Yeah. <laughs> well, I found I know, some things that work. You're, you're flexible with your, you know, your style, <laughs> uh, with your morality and so forth. Whenever it comes to your testicles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as I mean, I mean, come on. Speaking of flexible with testicle morality, <laughs> I mean. So the point. I mean, do your testicles have any morality? Yeah. <laughs> I think they are completely amoral in general. I think so too. It's like, is the, you know. It's like asking if the ammunition in an M16 has any morality. No, it it's like, that's just the ammunition. It just it's wants the first to shoot. Pulling the trigger. That's the decision making. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just wants it's to built shoot. To, yeah, it's built to explode. A singular to purpose. <laughs> <laughs> A singular purpose. Uh huh. So uh, to you know, it is it is weird how if you think about that same process, it's like it is firing things to try and penetrate a. Mm -hmm surface <laughs> to create an effect penetrate the creating egg. death yeah you know the bullet multiple and the gun. forms of penetration the penetration sets up the ultimate penetration right because these little navy seals yeah they're swimming up the the vaginal fluid and the semen and <laughs> getting into the little dipper which always like when i actually think about that thing that like gets in there and then 
gets the semen and it sucks it up. It's kind of like Contra. <laughs> and like those little alien things. It was like coming from the ceiling and like. It's exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that like, if you think about guns, like we, how humans replicate things within our own biology and our own nature in the world without even realizing it a lot of times, which of course missiles are like giant penises. Yeah. But the bullets, you know, if you think about the bullets, you're creating the bullets, putting them in the chamber, and then these little kind of penile looking projective things that shoot out of the gun and then make a hole to penetrate a human to create death. So yeah. it's like the inverse of the life process. The semen is shooting out and going out and penetrating the egg to create life. Mm -hmm. We just perverted it. <laughs> no, I think In we the uncovered the truth. <laughs> Speaking of which, when are you going to start penetrating some eggs, my friend? You're married now. Yeah. Isn't that part of the plan? Aren't you going to make a grow a little human? I mean, is that going to be too weird for you? Being <laughs> that it's already weird enough that you're a human already? Yeah, everything's already weird enough. I'm trying to deal with my own existence. I'm like the Jane Goodall of my own, you know, existence. Uh -huh. I'm walking around tracking. Oh wow, what is what is Corey's ex you know consciousness absorbing, experiencing right now? It's interesting. I'll take notes. The witness mind is moving around. You know, just kind of uh, tracking and, and documenting what I'm perceiving. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's something that, that we talk about. Did you pull the goalie? Uh, what's up? Did you pull the goalie? <laughs> no, no, I did not. What goalie are you using? Um, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, we, we, we kind of talk about it, and I think it's sort of like... That was an undefinitive answer about your birth control methods, Corey. It's just, un, it's just uninteresting. <laughs> I, I, typically, I typically step over things I don't find uninteresting. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so it, it's sort of like, it is a question. It's, you know, part of me, and, and I know, you know, Meredith feels the same way, is it's like... Um, it would be an, a beautiful and in, interesting and life-changing experience to have a kid. Um, on the other hand, it would also be a beautiful and interesting experience to continue to just live life without yeah. that, that dimension. Um, I mean, it changes so much things, obviously, as far as um, just your, your time, your interest, uh, you know, and, and you know, how you do totally. everything. Totally. Um, and there's one part of me that thinks that um, it would be, uh, just this beautiful whatever, whatever experience, and it would change whatever, you know, all the superlatives that go around with that. Um, and I think about people who I have seen who are in their, you know, 50s or 60s, and they don't have any kids. And it, it honestly does seem a little sad, a little hollow. Have you ever met, times. but the thing is, like, you've never met anybody who's ever regretted the kid. Or maybe they're lying. <laughs> yeah, right? uh, let me stop you right there. You've met some people, but like even people, they're like, yeah, you know, I wasn't ready. I didn't think it was going to do it, but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like that's mm -hmm. generally what people say. There's like generally. something that happens. Yeah. Like once you actually have it, you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like getting a dog. It's like life was fine. No, fuck that. <laughs> it's not like that at all. I've only had one dog I've ever liked ever. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, without the dog, life is fine. And then you get the dog and it's like, Oh, cool. It's like, way this, worse. This is... It's fucking way worse. <laughs> it's better. That's my experience. Um, except with except with the dog that I have now. The dog that I have now is sweet. And I've had some <laughs> other dogs in childhood and stuff. Yeah. The point is, is that like a new set of responsibilities. <laughs> I think that humans, we are so flexible with our um, you know, we're able to kind of form to whatever the shape of what's happening in life and accept it in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so whenever you have some new life or responsibility you know the dog is obviously just a, an example of that it's not a human yeah um you're like things were fine and now things are this yeah and it's cool you know yeah. and, and now that you've kind of 
imprinted with this creature, whether it be a human or a dog, you're like, all right, well, I don't want to undo that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely have talked to people who they're happy they have a, a kid in, in a sense. And um, they also lament the life that they. Yeah. They're like this. That change this sucks. I just, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm probably going to have kids and I'm looking forward to just rewriting the whole system. Like I recently just got engaged this weekend and obviously my romantic relationship has a whole custom set of rules. Mm -hmm. The marriage ceremony itself is going to have a whole custom set of set of things that go on like nothing is going to be that out of the box package and nor will raising the kids you know mm -hmm. and i think that was something that was impressed upon me originally by by reading uh aldous huxley's island where mm -hmm. he like from scratch set up this utopic society and you know he had a system he called there he called the mutual adoption club which was basically breaking this kind of um, yoke of influence that the single parent, you know, the nuclear family paradigm has on a kid. I mean, it goes both ways. Like right. the kid is so strongly influenced by two people, their strengths, their weaknesses, in this weird kind of dependency forms where they end up finding sexual partners that mimic the opposite parent and they end up being like this other, you know, it's like the influence is so strong. And then on the other side, parents get wicked attached to their kids and wrap their mm -hmm. ego up in them. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I couldn't with some awareness consciously avoid some of those traps, but I think really in an optimal state, the kid has, you know, that old aphorism, you know, a tribe, like mm -hmm. a village of parents and people they can look up to and models that they can make so that you kind of break this dependency. You have all the love there and all of the support, but you don't, you know, spend time with, all the different awesome people that I know and learn from them, learn music from the great musicians and learn everything, all the gifts that all of the fucking badass people that I have. It's kind of like having a big extended family, which is the closest thing right. we get to it now where you stay with your aunts, you stay with your grandmas, you stay with your blah, blah, blah. But why does it have to be blood related? Mm -hmm. Why can't it be the people who, you know, cause I have people in my life that are way fucking closer to me than even blood mm -hmm. in some instances, you know, like, we would truly bleed for each other at any moment anyways, just because we're not hereditarily, you know, aligned. And I think, I think involving that, and, and that's really Huxley's idea in this mutual adoption club where kids have multiple parental options and models, but obviously that one biological will provide, you know, this kind of steady support. But I'm interested in like exploring different models of how, of how to do it. Because I think in a lot of ways from, marriage to child raising you know things are broken and people are not really looking at the solutions because mm -hmm. it just crushes the parents time first of all it just crushes their ability to do anything because they're so dependent on raising that kid and then the resentment forms and all of these different weird things can start to happen but i'd rather make a deal with you know seven eight ten whatever of my closest sentient you know conscious family that's maybe some of my family like my mom and some of my chosen family and just be like look whoever has a kid amongst us like we'll all pitch in and help like right. i'm down to help help instill my wisdom and help raise your kid you'd be down to help raise mine and we'll oh, just I fucking sure would. figure it out <laughs> dude i would totally send my kid over to your house to get weird <laughs> uncle Corey is so weird what do you mean it's, no because it's gonna be it'll seem normal to the kid totally because it'll man. be the first imprint Totally, I mean, and, and then mo yeah, so model weird. this model, you know, model awareness and model consciousness, right. and start practicing, you know, practicing these things. I think it's another mistake people make. They treat kids like little idiots. Uh -huh. They're like little growing 
conscious adults, but yeah. they're just not fully developed yet. Yeah. They're not idiots. I, I see this whole philosophy of yours is a a a thinly veiled way <laughs> to get tons of people to babysit for you and take care of your kid while you travel. <laughs> oh no, no, this is a big tribal thing, yes, man. Everyone, sure. everyone, everybody, just you know, come on, get pulled together at home to really soak up who you are, get their ego involved. <laughs> I want to really just, I want you to imprint yourself on my Corey, child. This was supposed to work on you, man. I was trying. This whole podcast was me trying to recruit you to help raise my kid, and I fucking blew it. I know you're smarter to think that than I would fall for that. <laughs> I will raise your kid, Corey, too. How about that? Look at that. I'm mm. anteing it up. Yeah, but you're this is you know you're trying to play poker it's not working because i just was saying i'm not sure if i'm going to have a kid oh, so you're erring oh, on this 50 percent mm. type of thing i appreciate yeah, but the, your dubious yeah but your dubious description of your birth control methods <laughs> leads me to believe that one day you're gonna be like hey i'm pregnant um, we use the we're using the glow app i think it is i don't know it's her app but it's like a fertility tracker mm -hmm. you like put in the period and then you know when they're pregnant and you definitely pull you know out when they're pregnant well, you know when their uh, ovulation is. I mean, I see. Yeah, and that's, then a, that's a like, hell of an and app. It gives, you, it gives you the. Well, oh, I just got a notification. <laughs> oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, was... it gives you like the danger zone, right? So like yeah, this day yeah. is like 32 percent. This right. day is like it only gets like 40 percent, but mm -hmm. that's like super high risk. You want to keep top gun shit. Yeah, yeah. Only anal yeah. on 40 percent <laughs> days. The true original birth control method. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, I mean. uh back to what you're saying again sincerely i do think that that's a really cool idea to you know in the way to raise a kid yeah and and uh and i know that there's a lot of tribes out there you know in th that do that where it's like yep. they sort of like have a child and then it's the tribe's child yeah and everyone takes care of it and that way there's there's everything that you described is is um you know unfolds and i feel like uh just not with kids in general um and you know just to kind of finish up sincerely what i was saying was that i'm still not you know both of us are still not sure about about that idea i think that it's there's no right answer there's yep. no wrong answer yep. um but sort of trying to decide if that's if that's the move um and I, I mean i do think it would be fun as you were saying to to raise a little uh human being and and show them everything but you know i think for the the kid and but especially for the parent you know and, and just people in general we people have this idea this this binary <laughs> idea in their mind that things are this way you know things have to be like this yeah you have to go you know work in an office you have to get married you have to do with this whatever and you have a kid it's like oh well now my whole life is going to change and i have to follow this whole thing which i only know because it's what i observed and it's like no nothing no. is like that no everything is how how you create it you know no. and of course there's some some overlap of those things just from the happenstance of their inherent structure but you know people who shut their life down after they have a kid um always seems you know to me limit so limiting for the child it's like for take, both yeah. yeah take take it out show it the world you know make it a part of your life instead of making your life revolve around totally this thing that's i think a huge problem that people have is they you know <clears throat> they they cater everything from the food to the environment and every, they're so stressed about you know their kids but mm -hmm kids can adapt like kids all over the world eat all kinds of fucked up stuff like they're fine mm -hmm. you know like in in mm -hmm. most cultures that don't have the ability to order chicken tenders at all opportunities <laughs> and make special egg meals and mm -hmm. whatever this you're worried about your kid not eating the kid just eats what the parents eat but a slightly less amount because right. they have a littler stomach right and that's what it was like i had three older 
stepbrothers, three younger sisters, and a younger brother. And like we had food and we just ate the food. Like that was the food. Mm -hmm. Like there's no time. And when you have a big ass family like that, for like custom food orders for right. your kids. Like, hey, here's the food. We got a shitload of vegetables ready. Is anybody hungry? Like, fuck yeah, I'm hungry. So we eat that first, you mm -hmm. know? And you take that all this pressure off it and, and have that more kind of village mentality. And I think the kids are happier. Like, we were happy as shit with that plan. But then you see these food games that kids and parents get in with these like control games. It's like, no, I don't want that. Like, all right, cool. Like, if we said that, my mom's like, yeah, okay, sweet. Mm -hmm. Like, she wasn't worried that we were gonna stop eating. Like we're such a little idiot that we're gonna we're gonna not feed ourselves. Right. You and know, if like, you are, then that's a, a <laughs> path to learning. Yeah, you know? exactly. That hunger sucks. <laughs> hunger sucks. <laughs> and then there's delicious food available. Yeah. Like everybody, I think there's just this idea that kids are kids are idiots. They're mm -hmm. not. They're just growing. And I think it'd be cool to like shepherd that young consciousness into existence, like with awareness from the drop. Like mm -hmm. teach those principles of awareness. Like man my my homie muji that the laughing buddha yeah said it so well in one of those uh the reggae songs that i listen to that take his speeches and put them to reggae it's fucking dope have i sent those to you no but, no i gotta uh, send them to you okay. sweet. he goes <laughs> he goes uh he, he says um <clears throat> you either wake up inside your body or you wear your you wear your body like pajamas and stay mm. asleep mm -hmm. you know yeah and like that's that ideas like that to the kid like being the observer, observing the emo observing the hunger, observing these things that are going on, observing the emotions your like testicles and the planning lung. that in from <laughs> UV machine or whatever you're doing. Don't observe dad when he has the red <laughs> no, light on his balls. You'll get him a little mini one. We're doing it together. No, it'll be like an eight year old sprouting hair out of his testicles and just I could I just sleep, imagine that's what you want. Sleeping with the teacher. <laughs> I just picture that's what He's you would just, want. <laughs> he just has the teacher bent over her desk and is just crushing at nine no that's not the that's not the look we're going for okay that's <laughs> what i assumed yeah <laughs> oh man but you know like i i mean i guess you see some of it in some of these like in sedona right there's these beekeepers like we went to this uh eden hot springs and there's mm -hmm. these beekeepers who had this cool ass little kid and the kid i mean they were just beekeepers on the land and they were like really awake people they're woke and um it was just cool to see the kid like cruising around like naturally new boundaries like understood you know they didn't have to like watch him and be like don't go there don't do this mm -hmm. watch out for this but the kid was just like aware just new shit was going on because you could tell they were raising him that way but there was probably a balance that kid didn't have of you know what real kind of the real issues were but i don't know i don't i don't really know that kid that well but i think like having the consciousness mixed with you know real world shit right like, you know the other side of things the urban life and mm -hmm. the pressures that they're going to find and you know exposing to them to that in the right doses and the right quantities and and just chatting about it you know so it's not just throwing people into a jungle with no tools you mm -hmm. know a jungle of judgment and ego and crazy you know social media and the dirtiest porn that's ever been available to every child on mm -hmm. a phone you know mm -hmm. like just consciously looking at all of that stuff feels like something that would be rad to do just see what that you know see how it's that result is yeah in a way like how yeah. can, can you shepherd a can you shepherd a, a a child who stays conscious from the start to the end right like keeps that ember going like keeps the heart open 
from the drop because most of us have had an had that experience where it's like kid yay everything's good hearts wide open we're playing we're in the present moment you know and then all of a sudden judgment and fear and all of these Mm -hmm. things crush us and we collapse down at a certain point and then we spend years of our life trying to return to this childlike state which got obliterated right you know because we didn't have the tools but is it possible even with the society as it is even with the real world you know all around us is it possible to to shepherd that consciousness through all the way and make it survive intact right. all the way to yeah. adulthood. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like just as a part of the human experience, as it expands and contracts, people will, will experience the negative aspects of life and the positive aspects. But what's mm-hmm. important is to, I think, track that stream of um, how a human being experiences and cognates the world up high enough to where you don't teach them things, you teach them how to learn. Yeah, you know, you teach them that yeah. that so that way any experience that they're in, it's not a matter of like, oh, do I know what this experience is about? It's like, no, I know what experiencing things is about. Mm-hmm. And I think that not only is that would that be important for a child, I think it's important for adults. Yeah, you know, because um, the more that you can track that upstream and get to where you're learning, like, all right, now I know, like, just. Um, yeah, how to respond to and how to interact with my own life and just situations, just the whole thing, as opposed to all of these little different pathways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> there's so many, <laughs> there's so many principles that come with just that simple awareness, like that, that awareness of, of yourself, where your boundaries of your ego are, not trying to like obliterate or judge or question, just being aware of where that is, where your emotions are, where mm-hmm. your consciousness is, where your where your body is and and all of these things is just so fucking vital because when it gets skewed then you end up with pretty dramatically terrible results like and you see it in a lot of weird ways i was just reading this book fucking incredible book called tripping over the truth it's a uh proposing the metabolic theory of cancer and um in that book you know they're talking about all of these revolutionary ideas about you know cancer treatment and then the resistance to the traditional mainstream um, from the traditional mainstream kind of model to even looking at these new ideas. And you saw that also in, um, in nutritional philosophy when it came to saturated fats and cholesterol, which were demonized by you know, this guy named Ansel Keys and the whole world kind of put this saturated fat cholesterol model of obesity and heart problems, mm-hmm. which really it was sugar the whole time and all of that truth has been coming out. But even still, like 54%, as of 2014, according to Credit Suisse, 54% of doctors still thought that dietary cholesterol, like eating cholesterol, like egg yolks, led to um, systemic high cholesterol. And there's just no link. You know, the body is this complex machine that transmutes the energy in a different way. Just because it's called one thing, just because it's called fat in your Mm -hmm. food, doesn't mean it makes fat in your body. Just because it's called cholesterol, doesn't mean it causes cholesterol. Like, it's not the link isn't there and right. studies have shown that but still people are intractable in their thought they're unwilling to be flexible and look at new ideas and understand and admit oh yeah maybe i was wrong maybe that makes me look like mm-hmm. an asshole but that's okay yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and there's yeah. this physicist max planck who you know he was famously said he's like you know new ideas <clears throat> new ideas don't come about because there's a brilliant new theory that changes the current paradigm it's like the old paradigm has the people of the old paradigm have to die and then the new theories develop. Mm-hmm. It's not like they change their mind. 
And they actually did a study. They did a, like a, a study on that about like 420 different top scientists who died at the peak in the prowess of their career. And when they died, then that's when the field advanced. Right. And they, they checked that by looking at all of the unrelated people publishing new uh, articles in the field and how many citations they got. Because the more citations and the more um, kind of peer review and peer credit it's mm -hmm. got because other people are referencing it. And the people who are related to that top dog, you know, their kind of citations died. And then the new people coming up, you know, that's what really advanced the movement. It wasn't that anybody changed their idea. Yeah. It was just that like yeah. they were incapable of changing their idea, which is the whole point, which is fucking insane to me. Like mm -hmm. it's rad when you realize like, oh shit, I was wrong the whole time. Now I know something new. Yeah. I mean, it's rad to you. You know, I think that people, if you, and it's rad to me too, man. Yeah. I, you know, the way you think about the way that humans assimilate their realities is it's, all based on symbol systems. Like we're you know, symbol-seeking, identifying creatures, and that's how people abstract meaning, which creates their own consciousness, right? So as someone goes through life, everything that they experience, uh, I like the structural differential model in Alfred Korzybski's Science and Sanity book a lot, because it explains it well. But it, every experience you have with an object or a word that's related to an object creates a symbol in your mind, which essentially becomes you know, the meaning that you've defined around that thing based on your imprintation of it. Mm -hmm. And in a way that you, you know, experience even a small thing, like he used the example pencil. It's like you have pencil one, two, three, four, and five in exponentially. So pencil one is in life as you're a child, you go to your first day of school and they say, here's a pencil. This is how you write. And they start teaching you how to write. Beautiful. Now that's a great first imprintation of pencil, you know? So as you continue to move through life, that's the, the, first strongest association you have with pencil and everything after that begins to kind of get smaller and smaller and smaller but you still have various associations along with that things can disrupt that flow is if whenever you're now you're you're in seventh grade and a friend stabs you in the leg with a pencil now pencil has a whole different meaning and a whole different thing right. to it and now pencil has shifted so if you think about that way of one object that's one simple thing pencil out of you know, trillions of things you can imprint in a physical tactile reality and into a conceptual philosophical world or a religious worldview, a cultural worldview. All of these things are all these symbol structures that we're imprinting that color our subjective reality and create the meaning in how we see the world. Now, in the creation of that whole spectral, you know, matrix of meaning, we attach our ego because inherently in the experience of those things, you know, through our nervous system, it is our ego and our self that is experiencing all of those objects and that whole online unfolding of our reality. And so our ego and our self is wrapped up in all of those things in our, our whole meaning. But that, that makes a lot of sense because in the way that we, um, you know, there's no like meaning out there. There's just happening. There's universe mm. outside of our bodies. And so as we experience and define everything inside of us, that's where meaning comes from in life. And that's a good thing. That means we can we have control. We can build our meaning and create meaning in our world you know, for things that are important to us. However, whenever somebody finds, comes across an idea that, that argues or is somehow opposed to their interpretation and their symbol for what some of the meaning, whether it be a concept or object or ideology or what have you is in life, the attack on that, and you can see this very clearly in politics, is that whenever you disagree with someone over something, why people get so upset and they bec become so, you know, sometimes violent in a lot of cases is because as you, if you're good and you can, you're proving that someone's, you know, symbol structure or their ideology um, is 
incorrect, just on in a factual level. Yep. That's what people get so aggressive and um, upset is because as you dissolve their own association with that symbol that they've created meaning, that's actually dissolving the part of the ego that's attached to that. Yeah, so their, their lower reptilian brain kicks on and they feel like they're being killed. Yeah. So as their ego, part of their ego dissolves, they feel like, oh, sure. this person's killing me by undoing my subjective reality and my perception. The question <laughs> goes back to who am I? Because if you are your identity and then your identity is attached to these ideas and symbols, and if you are your identity and your identity is, the, is these ideas and symbols, then any attack on these ideas or symbols is an attack on you. So the ego responds right. like the body would respond to a physical attack, exactly. fight or flight. Exactly. You either run from it or you get angry and you attack it. You know, it's a very, when, it, when the ego believes it's real, that's what it does. But mm -hmm. then you have that other idea of who am I? Oh, I'm the consciousness. I'm the observer of the ego. Right. I'm the force that's animating the life and animating the ego and mm -hmm. animating all of this. And when you identify, it's just a simple shit. It's a simple shift in concept, the hardest <laughs> yeah, shift in the world right. to do in practice. Right. But you shift your I to the observer, and then all of a sudden, everything else is just a game. Like, oh look, the ego is so wrong and wrapped mm -hmm. up in all of this stuff, how funny. And then you switch over, and, and then the only thing that you, know, you really rely on who you are is, is something that can't be harmed, it can't be hurt, it can't be attacked. You, you can't attack awareness, you mm -hmm. can't, hurt awareness other than to you know if yourself shuts awareness off it can only be deeply manipulated yeah. by the rest of the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yes i mean that's the answer and that's one of the was one of the most helpful things i've ever learned in my entire life was i realized that i was making a perception yeah. i realized that my reality was you know all of those symbols and that whole map that i laid out there it's just the map you know and whenever you realize that what you're experiencing is just that then you don't take it personally and get attached to it and cling to those ideas and that opens up this flexibility where you, you know where then life becomes this experience of openness and um continuous blossoming of your own ideas and your own definition of what you, you know, your world is yeah um you know i was saying this thing recently about like all these people out there are seeking right now you know and, and it's it's from what I can see, I don't know if it's the communication of the internet, but from my experience, it seems like so many more people are seeking now. And I think it has to do with the connectivity of the internet and larger ideas and so forth. Um, but people are looking for all these different ideologies and trying to find out, you know, what, what is this type of spirituality? Does that make sense? Is this type of philosophy? And kind of podcasts in some ways come that like, oh, this guy's got a good, a good story. I like this guy's viewpoint and things like this guy, you know, but none of those will ever, will ever make you happy, you know? Um, cause the ideology that you're looking for is the one that's doing the looking at all the ideologies. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when you go, like I think Makad said this, he's like, when you go looking for yourself, all you're going to find is someone looking for themselves. Right. <laughs> right. I mean? Exactly. Like you have to look, you have, you have to look at the looker, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, it's this thing that you can't, you can't touch and you can't, it's just presence. It's just awareness. Mm -hmm. It's consciousness, you know, and it's a very interesting concept to get to but once you get there the freedom is just immense you know because then no matter what you're you're still going to feel stuff but then when you can make that move to say oh look the aubrey is angry mm -hmm. oh, oh the aubrey's sad i'm like oh, oh the aubrey is putting his balls in the, in the <laughs> oven right now <laughs> the aubrey is cooking his balls <laughs> you know at that point everything everything just becomes a laugh right and that's again why 
I think the highest levels of spirituality and consciousness, you find these people, they're laughing all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, life is fun. It's, you know, there can be pain, but the suffering associated with that pain, which is the worry about the future and the past and how it's affecting you and blah, blah, blah. It's not there. It's just awareness of the pain. It's like, okay, here's pain, you know, and then you move through that quickly and then back to the, the general state of life, which can be just the greatest video game yeah. ever. Like we've always, like we've said, you know. In, in, in that, that, like, I actually don't really like the video game analogy <laughs> because, and I know people use it a lot, but I don't like it because it, I feel like it enables a type of like spiritual bypassing that I think is one of the pitfalls on the path of greater awareness and building awareness. Um, it's a very interesting viewpoint to just have you chugging water and keeping eye contact. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, like, y- you know, the that seems to be a th- uh, just an aspect of that self-awareness of the approach of it is the spiritual bypassing. And I feel like the video game analogy kind of enables that in some way. Um, in that- but, do, but don't you want a spiritual bypass to a certain degree? Don't you want to be able to take the, the cheat code? Because the reason I like it is, is then you become the player playing the identity. Yeah. Right. So, so the, move is, the move is a cheat code, but it's the cheat code to say, oh, here's me in this world, but I'm the player. I'm, the consciousness is the person with the controls. Mm-hmm. And then the avatar, the character, is playing the game. And that's how I get to experience this full virtual reality game. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like to me, I just like to try and be pre- as precise with those things as I can <laughs> whenever I'm talking about them because they are so slippery and it's so easy for people to kind of deceive themselves into certain models of thinking without even realizing it or by doing it intentionally so that it's actually serving their ego in some dark way. So if you were like, everything is a video game, cool, and I'm the one with the controls, that inherently to me, and, and just from people who I've kind of seen really live that in that way, mm-hmm. that can actually bring in some kind of nihilism and some extreme uh, you know, narcissism and so forth, and a detachment from the thing that's actually uh, important to attach to, which is the, 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 like, you know, spirit of, of our existence, the real soul of, of what it means to be human, you know? So if you're like, oh, everything's a video game. This is awesome. I can just do whatever I want. I can control everything. I can set up everything, use the cheat code. I can, you know, manipulate this. I can make this happen. I think, well, the key is, the key is you have to realize that the other players are real. Right. Right. You know, like as long, I think as long as you realize that, you know, you are playing this character, and you're playing the character, but everybody else is also playing the character. And those players are all you, ultimately, which is the fundamental spiritual truth. Like, we're all different you know, facets of the same mm-hmm. diamond. We're all the same being, just playing a different character, right? And then at that point, when you realize they're real, then it takes away that sociopathic tendency yeah, that, of, the, yeah, of the grand theft. I was trying to not use the grand S word. Theft, yeah, <laughs> I was describing of the that, Grand yeah. Theft Auto kind of <laughs> right. mindset. Because in Grand Theft Auto, you have complete anonymity and ability to just fuck anything up right. because the other characters aren't real. And I think when you play a game like that, as if the characters aren't real, then then it's fucked up. But if you play right. it as if every single character you know, is played by a player that is you, regardless of how fucked up that, play, you know, that character is that's being played, the player is not fucked up. Mm-hmm. The player is you. Player is you playing a different character. You know, at that point, then I think 
the system holds and i think the metaphor works in that you can play the game but with this awareness like okay we got to take care of the game board we got to take care of earth because there's a bunch of players who are trying to play it and some of them are so attached and locked in their character that they're truly suffering so let's try and remind them that they're the player remind them the options that they have the ability to move and remind them that this fucking thing can be fun totally and i i I appreciate that aspect of the game you know yeah metaphor but i feel like it what inherently in the video game Grand Theft Auto. It's Grand Theft Auto because <laughs> people are used to like, how do you define a game? Oh, it's this thing where I sit alone in a room and I'm the god of this world <laughs> and I'm just doing whatever I want, whether right. it be Mario or Grand Theft Auto or whatever. It's one person playing a thing. And then the idea of it being a game, to me, I, I guess I feel like it. there's a potential for it to remove some of the sincerity of all the other stuff you were saying. Right. And so I've always sort of just been a little cagey with that, you know, <laughs> with that. Yeah, because if, if you look at the actual model, I see where you're going, because if you look at the actual model of how video games are yeah. played, they're played, like you do shit. It's the same thing with social media though, right? Like social media sets up a system where people can talk shit with a certain anonymity that they would never do if someone was, mm-hmm. was personally there. Like it creates this kind of layer that allows, you know, sociopathic <laughs> tendencies, this kind of, I am the only one in my universe that's real. Yeah. You know, it, um, I love that because it's just truth serum. It's like any person yeah. you see on the internet that's saying something like trolling or negative, they're just like really literally opening up their whole, you know, chest and showing you exactly the place where they're stuck. Yeah. You know, like whatever yeah. they pick to criticize, it's right. like that's exactly what they're sensitive about themselves about. <laughs> sure. So it's so funny to me if whenever you, you know, look on social media and you see people who are saying trolling comments. It's like people are, they don't realize that they're just that they're publicly holding, yelling what, yeah. what, with their weak spots <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, they're just holding up a mirror. Yeah, with attitude. <laughs> yeah, they're just showing everybody right in. It's, uh, it's funny, but again, that goes back to that lack of awareness. Yeah. They're, they're, una- they're unaware of what they're doing. They're in the emotional body, in the ego, in the ego body, not in the awareness body, being like, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the response that I'm gonna create? Like, what what am i what kind of energy am i creating in the person who's reading this right you know like they just they can't make that leap because they're identified as the avatar not as the player Mm -hmm. you know and that's i think just that move alone you know and whatever video game analogy or no but that move alone is it's the move yeah it's like the key move in this whole in this whole game board as soon as you know that you're the player not the avatar then everything is possible and you can start to rewrite all of the systems that are available you know and and these things that you even take for granted these things that are oh man that's just the way it is like jealousy for example Mm -hmm. you know like i'm in a as a lot of the people listening know i'm in an open relationship and that is extraordinarily challenging based upon the conditioning that we've had and you think these things of jealousy like if your person you love is sleeping with somebody else that's supposed to inspire this rage and jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at first, because that's what we're taught. That's what we, you know, and there is some, you know, biological impulses, but as consciousness, you can override those. You can rewrite those rules and create a paradigm that's completely different and change the way that your player, you know, change the way that your avatar responds in those situations. And I've seen it happen, not only myself, but in Whitney. And then then when you're able to change that and then you can change the whole rule book you know like most of the time 
when people get married and you're around the around men they're like um condolences you know what i mean like that's the running joke right and everybody just kind of smiles like yeah you know my freedom's over like fuck that (laughs) why change that rule like all right so what are the conditions that create the situation that you're you're feeling like you're trapped and you have to give no no stop that that just like to me i I laugh when we said that because i forgot Fortunately, I forgot about that. That was a thing that people say, <laughs> yeah. which is a good sign. Yeah, but um, to me, that just is like that means like oh, you just have bad communication. <laughs> like, yeah. If that's your response, <laughs> right. then then like your rela- your communication with your partner is really bad. Well, it's just that people don't really even realize that there's another option. They accept conditions based upon you know the dream of the world, as right. Don Miguel Ruiz would say, the mitote, this kind of ideas that are that are present like okay you do this you follow this model and this is just the shit you have to accept like no it's not why like you don't have to accept there's certain things you have to accept like time Mm -hmm. you know like we have to accept time like we have to accept you know to a certain degree although people are fighting like hell against it like aging and the fact that we're going to die like there's certain things that you need to accept but a lot of the other shit you don't need to accept you can just look at it and be like hmm what's good about this system What's fucked about this system? All right, yeah. let's see if I can change these conditions. Yeah, so much of it is just like preferences to yeah. me. But it's like it's old, it's dead people's preferences. Yeah, like people don't yeah. stop. <laughs> people don't stop to realize that, like, oh yeah, like I can decide to embrace who I am and yeah. follow my intuition with what seems right to me. And that goes back to the ideology thing I was talking about. It's like embracing and trusting and believing in your own way that you see the world. But doing it in, in an intelligent and reasoned way so that it actually makes sense if queried. Yeah. You know, if someone oh, asks, yeah. well, why are you doing this? It's like, oh, well, here's the reason why, as opposed to I'm just doing whatever I want. And that's, again, you know, you get into this weird nihilism, sociopathic <laughs> type of thing. It's not that. but <laughs> All it's, clockwork yeah, orange it's, stuff. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's cultural, you know, paradigms that, um, you know, a lot of people don't, and you know, perhaps some people don't need to o- overwrite those. Perhaps, you know, perhaps I'm sure a lot of people are just happy in their way in what they're doing. Um, but for those who find resistance, wherever you you meet resistance with an idea, because some of those things are good. Some some ways that things are laid out are wonderful, you know. Yeah. But some things aren't. Some things are stupid. Yeah, it's not <laughs> and, like you throw out. I mean. I think you just analyze everything fresh and make sure it fits for you. Yeah. Like, so does this fit go, for me? Does why am I me? feeling resistance with this idea? Yeah. And then have an honest, you know, dissection and deconstruction of that idea with yourself. And you realize, oh, is it that I'm kind of uh, being an asshole around this thing? Or mm-hmm. is it because it doesn't make sense and I want to, you know, do something different? Yeah, that's, uh, so I'm doing, I'm hosting a workshop with Christine Hassler in uh, a month over Memorial Day. And it's all on, self-love romantic love and then like relation to community and i think that's what i'm really excited about doing is because there's so many things wrapped up with that word love that are just Mm. not love Mm -hmm. it's just like attachment and ego and fear and insecurity and all of these things and it's going to be it's going to be cool to sit down and actually work with people hands-on and like just start to unpack this stuff and start to realize like all right, here's what love is and here's how you can interact with it and here's the rules that you can create. You know, maybe the system 
you know, you download the legal zoom packet on love <laughs> straight off the internet so and you read it and you're like, damn, it fits me. Perfect. Right. Great. What do I mean? Love is one of those words like God or spirituality or something. It's right. infinitely semantically, you know, uh, kaleidoscopic. So how do you, you know, how would you define what that is? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, part of it is figuring out what it's not. You know, this idea that love hurts, not true. Love cannot by definition hurt or it is not love, mm -hmm. right? So you have to remove all of the things that hurt and say, okay, that's not that. Because love is this, it's a force of creation. It's like the sun, it warms all things. It casts no judgments. Mm -hmm. It's the purest, happiest, lightest state of being that one can feel yeah. and, and express, right? And so it cannot inherently be painful. Something else must be riding along, like, you know, along with it, attached to yeah. that concept, attached to that symbol, you know, that sometimes coincides that people have adopted as that thing love. And I think a lot of that is, you know, ego, insecurity, mm -hmm. attachment, living, worried about losing that love in the future. So, or worried about, something that happened in the past or worried about uh, all of these other things, but that's not it. You know, love in its purest form is always in the present moment. It's an expression, it's a transfer of energy, it's an emotion that comes in the present. And all of these other things are just little parasites that ride on that people call the same thing. So I think taking, you know, separating the two, that which hurts is not love, and then, so then what is love? And it's like rescuing it from all of these delusions that people have about it. Yeah, I always thought that the love hurts thing was talking about the, the attachment aspect. And that's the having what you define as love and then having that be gone. Right. So it should, the saying should be having love and then not having love hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really the not having love yeah. that hurts, right? Losing love hurts. But then again, like if you're, if you, belabor that and you're thinking then and that's just that rear view mirror thinking mm -hmm. like oh i once had this and my preference is that i would still have that rather than just being in the present now like we ruin love all the time worrying about whether it's going to last forever or worrying about whether we're going to lose it right it takes us out of the experience of love we're so stressed is she going to leave me is he going to leave me what's going to happen is this going to last forever what if this love changes and then we fucking ruin the love that's right in front of us the whole mm -hmm. time whereas just if you Stay to the present moment, experience the love that's there. I mean, imagine if you got to only see your lover for a weekend and it was like, just the way, if we knew that was happening, they had to go on a long journey, we would just soak up every moment of it, you know, and then just experience it. And then when that person's gone, yeah, there'd be those moments where we'd reminisce and that's fine to indulge in, but then reopen your heart and just look around, where's the next source of love? Mm -hmm. You know, just like stay to the present because the present is where you experience love. And if we can, anchor to the present, then we actually maybe can experience true love in a real sense. I think so many people are like, they're trying to, they're so attached to this idea of permanent love in a relationship or something, they never experience it in the present in the first place. Mm -hmm. They're worried about what that person's doing, whether how that makes them feel, what's going to happen. Just experience love every second that you can. And when it's gone, it's gone. There'll be new love around the corner. Like, something else will come and it could be love you're experiencing with your dog or love you're experiencing with your lover or it could be with your friends or it could be just leave your heart open love comes from all kinds of sources it comes from every heart there is it comes from the fucking planet like you can experience love and gratitude just sitting in a beautiful place or even sitting in your fucking room like sometimes 
I'll just be overwhelmed with the feeling that I could only feel his love. And it, you know, kind of rides along with gratitude, which mm-hmm. is like this certain kind of flavor of it, I guess, if you'd say. And I'll just start tearing up and being like, God, I fucking love this. Mm-hmm. Like I love existence and that I'm in this body and I'm in this earth and I'm at this place at this moment. And just fucking, it's available. It's just available all around us. We just have to open ourselves to it and get present. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's the, it's the very fabric from which all things are created. It's like the positive integer of the positive and negative integer of the cosmos. Yep. And it's, it's like atomic energy. Um, it's the, the charge of the atomic energy, right? Yeah. And so whenever you find the concordant atomic energy, then that is the love feeling. And if you find someone else who Who's com- who are composed of atoms which are in a similar vibrational frequency, and then as as like woo as that sound, I'm using it as a metaphor for the mm-hmm. experience. Then you like re- have this resonance with this other person, and then that resonance creates a uh, a stronger vibration. Yeah, you know? and, and um, yeah, and, and I think so much of like you're saying comes back to openness and being um, just the indulgence of now. You know, we get, everyone gets so distracted with thinking about the past or thinking about the future or um, getting into their own concepts of, of, you know, trying to define everything and, and all of that. But if you can just kind of get out of that a little bit and really experience the moment of what you're experiencing, then that feeling, as you said, is always available for you to tap in. And it's not like it's going anywhere. You know, it's always there. It's just yep. waiting for you to point your attention to it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's available. It's all around us. You know, there's suns, there's suns shining mm-hmm. all over the fucking place. You know, but we put our shields up, we put our blast shields up, and we block ourselves from receiving it because our mind is, you know, tracking. You know, the mind is very good at that. It's tracking threats and tracking dangers, and it's worried about the danger of losing this thing, which is really sustaining our. It's a happiness and life sustaining force. Love is so the mind is tracking it, but in in doing so, it's shutting itself off. You know, it's worried that, oh, if I feel too much, then it's going to hurt too bad when it's gone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to. You can just in, go from moment to moment, you know, enjoying the sun. When the sun is shining and it's out there and you see a cloud creeping, you know, you could spend the next 40 minutes being like, oh my God, that fucking cloud, it's coming. <laughs> it's going to cover the uh-huh. sun and my tan is going to get ruined and I'm not going to feel the warmth anymore. <laughs> or you just be like, oh man, look, there's a cloud coming, but that's cool. I got 40 minutes here. Let's right. fucking bask in this motherfucker. Right. You know, Let's soak it all in. Where's that coconut oil I'm mm-hmm. getting? I'm going to get the most of this shit. You know? And, just, and that's, that's the choice. It's a fundamental choice that we have, but people you know, have a difficult time making that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I was thinking about recently is that, like, um, in the same way that there, are, there are more, there's more dark matter in the the universe uh, than anything else. However, the energy of the stars, which create the light in the universe, has a greater amount of energy than all of that dark matter combined on an atomic level, because mm-hmm. that dark matter is essentially just like, you know, practically nothing. Um, but a star is like a nuclear furnace that's exploding and there's so much energy there. And so the star is what's casting the light onto the, through the dark matter and, and illuminating the universe. 
And in the same way that that is occurring, that's like in the narrative of the own human experience, our consciousness is casting the, is the star that's casting the light into the darkness of the unknown of our future. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful metaphor. Oh, thank you. But people, um, yeah, make some memes, man. You know, this <laughs> we can't. You know, we can't be doing a podcast. We can't. We can't, can't break yeah. out some content <laughs> if we don't. If we don't drop some shit like that, That's for sure. <laughs> Asterisk. I like. You know, we. Uh, it's good to to uh, you know try and get into different dimensions with the listeners. Sometimes <laughs> I'm looking right at you. We're talking to you about these memes right now. <laughs> break the fourth wall. Break the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, where I was going with that, that idea is, uh, that, you know, we, if the, the more we can, we can tap into, to that idea of that not only is the, the light being cast on you and you can absorb it, but it's actually coming out of you mm-hmm. and you can, you know, tap into that, that, that star within the self and, you know, allow that light of your own mind to shine and to, to illuminate that all the pathways of darkness and um you know towards other people and the more and, and not in some you know self-serving egoic way of like i'm going around casting light on everyone sure but just in the sense of like your own awareness and your own presence and your own ability to put aside what doesn't matter and just experience a moment with somebody else yeah you know that is the that's that is real love and presence to me not this like charming in quotes like woo seduction yeah yeah that's a great way to say seduction. exactly it's not yeah. that in in people should whenever you seduce someone else you seduce yourself mm-hmm. you know you seduce you you seduce yourself into believing that what you're doing is something that you're well, not. you also restrict yourself from love because you're expressing an act seduction is inherently an act mm. you know it's it's a manipulation that isn't your true self so whatever Whatever reaction you get will be a reaction to your creation, not a right. reaction to you. If they love this creation that you've created, then you're never going to feel it yourself because you've, you've created something to receive it and to go capture it. But that's not you. Mm-hmm. You are the consciousness. You are the little sun, you know, as Hamilton Souther says, nine layers deep in your heart, that invincible piece of the one diamond mm-hmm. you know, that's pushing out all of this nuclear energy. You know, that's what needs to feel it to be satisfied. So yeah, you can create this little character that can charm the fuck out of somebody and receive love and maybe you can get some sex. Yay, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. But you're never gonna feel that love yourself. You're never gonna have that connection as you because you've created this avatar within the avatar right. to, to receive it and to go manipulate it. And it's not worth it. It's ultimately completely unsatisfying. That's why you see seducers doing the same trick over and over again. Oh, I'm going to seduce this. Maybe then I'll feel love. Nope, nope, that didn't work. Oh, I'm going to seduce this person. If I get that person, then maybe it never fucking works. It's like the person who's trying to feel better about themselves by buying more shit. Right. It's never going to fucking work yeah. because it's not you. You you are something else. You are that spark deep in your heart. And the only way to actually receive or feel it is to go at it with that thing. Right, and that's exactly what I meant by whenever you seduce someone else, you seduce yourself. Yeah, totally. You, you, you're as you bullshit them, you bullshit yourself into believing <laughs> yeah. that that is truth. Because to be a good seducer, you have to believe your own bullshit. Yeah, you know. And those are the best. And those are the best. Yeah. Those are the best. The best seducers are like they're like quantum. They're like quantum beings. They mm-hmm. they show you exactly what you want to see. You know, like you right. look at them and they're like, oh, you know, you want to see that. 
all right, I'll show you that. Oh, mm-hmm. well, like, what is this future that I can paint for you? They're, they're true magicians. And I've seen men and women who are like <laughs> master of masters. <laughs> Painting Picassos with horse shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just fucking, it's remarkable. Yeah. It's remarkable. And it's like, it's, it's really interesting to, to watch that. Because, you know, the observer effect on quantum physics is, you know, what you look for, you will see. And, mm-hmm. the, and the, the, greatest, the greatest seducers you know, it's just this inherent instinct that they can be quantum, that they can look at you and just know, and without even using their mind, know what you want to see and then project that back to you. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's fucking magic. It's really wild. But ultimately, it's unsustainable because they're only showing you what you look to see. And eventually, their true inherent self is still there and still not feeling that love. You yeah, know. I mean, those are the saddest people, some of the saddest people in the world, because if you spend your whole life being this kind of chameleon character trying to charm everybody, then at the end of the day, you don't know who you are, Yeah, you know, and, and you're completely lost. And the more you do that, the more your identity, you know, so a person's identity just begins to, to fade away, you know? Yeah. And that's really, to me, you know, as I've gone through life, the more I found so we're talking about this kind of like this internal star type of idea. Um, God, that sounds woo, but I don't mean it to sound <laughs> woo. You know, as a metaphor, just to be clear again, uh, the the podcast of a thousand asterisks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna change the name of my podcast to the Asterisk Hustle. <laughs> the, the, ast- the Asterisk Hustle. Asterisk hustle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, it, an asshole kind of looks like an asterisk. Where do you think it came from? <laughs> <laughs> the asterisk. I'm gonna. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you know, like, it, it, the the most beautiful aspect of of going through and, and sharing that just presence with someone else, that awareness with someone else, and having a moment with someone else is is also kind of changing your mindset. And uh, it's something that's brought me to a lot deeper and more beautiful life with every person that I interact with in thinking not I'm going to go have this moment and this moment of presence with someone. Because that in itself is a beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. You're putting aside everything else. And that's something I earnestly try and do is I put aside you know, whatever else and just am there with that person. And the one day it sort of dawned on me to think, you know what, I can make this mindset better by saying i'm going to have this experience with this person right right and that's where you can get into some real real beautiful presence amen to that brother thank you everybody this has been a fucking blast it has it has been a blast um please definitely listen to Corey on the astral hustle um also he has a meditation course that's Mm -hmm. badass it's called release into now we're offering that um through through aubreymarcus.com yeah and uh, definitely, definitely check that out. And um, then I think you can get to it. Just go releaseintonow.com too, yeah, right? That's the- releaseintonow.com. It's also on the Onnit homepage. So Hell if you go yeah. there and go, you get that there. And go click on there. And um, Corey, it's been a real pleasure, my man. And oh, for before we go too, um, as I mentioned, I'm hosting a retreat, a three-day experiential retreat with Christine Hassler. We've capped the amount of people. So uh, if you're interested, please definitely sign up. It's going to be the first of its kind, but it's going to be badass. We're going to do some breath work, some meditation, some ecstatic dance, some workshops, 
Um, we're gonna have some fun, have some laughs, and is it, when, figure some shit what out. Day is, is there when the orgy? Is that on the first day or the last? Oh, every day. Oh, every day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna so, be yeah. baking my balls. <laughs> That's why I actually started. That's the I real figure, research. You know, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna personally fuck everybody who goes. Yeah. That's my promise to no. It's not my promise to you all. But yeah, no. It's gonna be a. Uh, it's gonna be fun. So that's Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. So much love. Appreciate the shit out of you guys. And I will see you soon. And see you soon. Anything else for you, brother? No. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Check out the Astro Hustle. Much love. Yep. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. As always, we deeply appreciate it if you share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes. And of course, go to onit.com slash Aubrey. Get 10% off all of the tools for human optimization.